Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. together today. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Let's worship him. We worship the God who was We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory.
would you give him a hand clap of praise this morning as we shout out his praise today? Go ahead and be seated. So great to see you here this morning. Thank you for spending your Labor Day uh, weekend here with us at Peckway Church. Thanks again for worshiping this morning with us as we have started this morning off uh, with a great start, I would say. Inside of your bulletin is a great connection card. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and take that card out even as I'm talking to you now. Fill that out. Uh, you'll see things there on the front and the back of that card. Online, you're going to find uh, a connection link in the chat window. Click on that link, follow the prompts, uh, prompts, and then uh, you can fill out that card digitally. Also, if you're a first-time guest, you can simply uh, take out your mobile phone and text the word hello to 717-872-5679. You see it on your screens there. Uh, again, that's the word hello to 717-872-5679. And this simply opens a line of communication between us, whether you fill out that great connection card or you do it through the text this morning. Um, but simply, we can send you things if, if you agree uh, about Peckway Church. Maybe you're asking questions of what it looks like to be a member or how can I be baptized or what does it mean to follow Jesus? Any of those questions you can ask on that card or through that text link this morning. Uh, so we'd be glad to send you those resources or to set you up to talk with one of the pastors uh, to, to see more about Peckway Church and if this is a great fit for you uh, and your family. Also, excuse me, I'm talking really fast and so my mouth is dry, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, it's so great to have you here this morning. And if you've been with us for our sermon series, we're, we're coming up here, I think, on our third week. And we've been talking about uh, our purpose and what God has called us to. Last week, we talked about what it looks like to be a saint and then also a soldier. And so a soldier for God. And so we were talking about our story last week, the story, our testimony, and what God is asking us to do just to share that with others. And today we're going to look at the purpose and how God has shaped us and how he uses the things in our lives to shape our story. Those things are like our spiritual gifts, our heart, our passions, our abilities, and those types of things. And God uses those to serve the kingdom but also those experiences in our lives help us to tell other people about Jesus. It's our story that's been redeemed and transformed by him. And so, you know, oftentimes we think, I don't have a story to tell. I, I don't know what to say. Maybe you didn't have the Damascus Road type of thing like Paul did where God spoke to him and he was blind and then he opened his eyes. But we don't have to have that kind of testimony. God uses the things, the hardships in our life to be able to help us come alongside other people and to share with them how Jesus has taken those things that were broken and how he's redeemed them and made beautiful again. And it's because of his grace uh, that we can say those things, that we have a story to tell. So we're going to sing a song for you this morning that maybe will be a way that you can identify and see how you can tell your story. It's a story of grace and redemption. Our stories. You know what? It's my fault. I totally forgot. I had a video to show you. Thanks, thanks, Cam. So that's what we'll do first. Then we're gonna we're gonna show you this song. Will you forgive me? Forgive me online, folks. We're human, right? We make these mistakes. So this is a great video, though, and it's gonna help us drive home the point that I just made for us that we have a story to tell. Let's watch are a collection of moments tucked away deep inside our hearts and minds. Moments from the past, 
For some of us, what happened in the past can limit our present or cloud the future. We hear a voice from within, a voice that says, you are damaged goods. You are disqualified, weak. What this world sees as broken, Jesus sees as beautiful. Where culture sees defeat, Jesus sees potential. What society labels as rejected, Jesus offers redemption. The Bible tells us that Jesus uses the weak to shame the strong and the foolish to shame the wise. When we're at our weakest, that's the very place we can tap into the strength of God. It's in this new perspective that we realize our past doesn't have to define us any longer because we are the community of those who couldn't make the cut, the gathering of those not good enough. So may your grief bring about His goodness. May your pain bring out trust in His promises. The past that brought us shame can find renewal in one name, Jesus. redemption that Jesus has done in our lives. If you know it, sing along with us. If not, just listen to these words this morning. Reaffirm your story. If I told you my story, you would hear hope that wouldn't let go. If I told you my story, you would hear love that never gave up. And if I told you my story, you would hear life, but it wasn't Draws me in, oh, 
of when justice was served and when mercy wins of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in. Oh, to tell you my story is to tell of the grace that is greater than all my sin of when justice was served. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. And we can tell that story this morning because of the cross. Would you stand with us as we continue singing together now, praising him for the cross, for his blood that washes us as white as snow. Let's worship.
continue worshiping and thanking him for what he's done for us. That beautiful redemption that we have through his blood that has washed us, has cleansed us. Let's sing. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you had me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside and there at the cross you paid the debt I owed broke my chains freed my soul for the first time I had Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life, brought me from the darkness into glorious light. my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death has no sting, and life has no end. For I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb.
Jesus, we thank you for the power that there is in your name today. Not just today, but tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. Father, we thank you that you've called us. You've given us a purpose. So, Father, I pray now over those of us in this room, those at home online today or in their cars or... uh, wherever they're vacationing today, Father, or where they might be later in this week. Lord, would you continue showing us how you're shaping us? Lord, help us to recognize today the things, the strengths that you've given us, the abilities, the the passions that we have, Lord, that you would show us how you want to use us to, to build your kingdom. Help us to go deeper than maybe just our routine of maybe coming on Sunday, but then we go to work the next day, and it's sort of this shift back and forth. Help us to see how every day our waking, our eating, our sleeping, our walking around, all of these things, God, are worship to you, Father. When we turn our heart to you, when we look to you, when we allow you to use us, Father, and when we have communion with you every day, not just on Sunday, but each and every day, would you show us how sweet that is today? As we fellowship in your word now, we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And I just want to join with Pastor Scott in letting you know how glad I am to spend part of the Labor Day weekend with you. As we continue in this series, I've entitled A Life Well Lived. Now, you may be aware that one of the most ambitious projects ever undertaken is the Human Genome Project. And what that was, was a scientific endeavor, an international endeavor that really tried for the goal to map out human DNA. And as you probably understand and recognize, human DNA is really what contains our genetic code. So in a very real sense, from a physical standpoint at least, our DNA is what determines who we are. You know, the color of our hair and our eyes and even the size of our feet, everything we are physically is determined by our DNA. And that project was launched back in 1990, and it was completed 14 years later in 2003. And that project has been equated, has been compared to the moon launch, or the moon landing, rather, of the Apollo space mission. It was that significant, that profound of a game changer in human history. And and the benefits of that project have been amazing. Let me just give you a few. Because of the Human Genome Project, we now have a far greater understanding of diseases. 
and viruses. We have a better understanding of mutations that are linked to certain forms of cancer. The benefits go on and on and on when it comes to our physical well-being, who we are physically. But I share that to say this, folks, that our DNA is not the only thing that determines who we are. Because Job speaking to God in Job chapter 10, verse 8 says this. If you have your outlines, take them out if you haven't already. And read at the top of it with me. It says, God, your hands shaped me and made me. Now here's the point, folks. If that's true, and I believe with all my heart it is, then we need to know how God has shaped us. We need to know exactly what it is that God has put together in us, as Scott alluded to, in terms of gifts and abilities and passions and personalities. Because here's the thing, until we know the shape that God's given us, we are truly never going to know our purpose in life or even how to fulfill it. It's simply not going to be. And the reason I say that is because our shape really determines our purpose. Or if you want to say it the other way, our purpose flows out of our shape. And so we really need to understand our shape. So the question I hope you're asking is, so how do we do that? How do we understand and know and determine how God has shaped us? And I want to suggest to you, while there are many, many ways to come at it, I have found personally the very best way to come at it is using an acrostic I learned almost 30 years ago by a pastor by the name of Rick Warren. And just by coincidence and really thankfully, that acrostic spells the word shape. So I want to unpack it for you this morning. Let's just walk through our shape, how we can know the, the shape that God has given us. And the S in shape stands for spiritual gifts. It stands for your spiritual gifts. And, and as you write that down, let me explain it to you. When you and I become a follower of Jesus, that is when we invite him into our lives, a couple significant things happen. The first thing that happens is that God puts his Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit does many, many things in your life and mine. But one of the significant ones, especially as it relates to what we're talking about this morning, is the Holy Spirit gives us at least one spiritual gift. Now, for many of us, and most of us, he gives us more than one gift, but for all of us, the Holy Spirit gives us, when we become a follower of Jesus, when we invite Jesus into our life, at least one spiritual gift. And let me give you a definition of spiritual gifts so we can all work on the, off the same page together. Spiritual gift is really just a supernatural ability to develop a specific capability for service to God. Let me say that again. A, a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability or enablement to develop a specific capability in order to serve God in this world. So in other words, a spiritual gift is something God gives you and he gives me if we're a follower of Jesus in order to equip us and enable us to make an impact for him in the world. That's what a spiritual gift is. It's the supernatural enablement. So take a look at what Paul said to the Corinthians about this. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service in the church, but it is the same Lord we are serving. There are different ways God works in our lives, but it is the same God who does the work through all of us. This, a spiritual gift is given each of us as a means of helping the entire church. I want you to underline that last phrase because it's essential. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping, or if you will, serving the purpose of the church, the body of Christ, Jesus' mission in the world. And later on, Paul says in the book of Ephesians, he said, Christ has given each of us 
special abilities, whatever he wants us to have out of his rich storehouse of gifts. And so both those passages, Paul makes it clear that the Holy Spirit gives us abilities, that the Holy Spirit enables us to do things, specifically things that will have disproportionate results for the kingdom of God. And what I mean by that is this, that if we have a gift of evangelism, while we're all called to be a witness, the person with the gift of evangelism will see a disproportionate number of people come to faith, disproportionate number of people respond to their testimony because they're exercising that spiritual gift. Now, that doesn't mean every time, but over a lifetime, what you're going to see is the man or woman with the spiritual gift of evangelism will produce this abundance of fruit, this disproportionate amount of fruit. Does that make sense? That's what a spiritual gift does. It enables us to make an impact for God. Now, here's the good news. There are many, many different spiritual gifts. There are gifts of administration, there are gifts of teaching, there are hospitality gifts and gifts of generosity and gifts of wisdom and evangelism, encouragement. There are gifts of leadership and mercy and discernment and the list goes on and on and on. But here's what I want us to note when it comes to spiritual gifts, folks. No gift is better or more spiritual than any other gift. And the reason I say that is because God is the one who personally designs the gift and then puts it in our life by his, by his own hand. Does that make sense? God himself is the one that chose to give us the particular gift or gifts that we possess, which again tells us that no one gift is not better or, or more spiritual than the other. But what it does also tell us is it makes spiritual gifts one of those mysterious, incredible ways that God directly shapes our lives. It's one of the things that God does that's very unique and even mysterious to shape us. And here's the thing, when you and I not only receive the gift, but we use the gift the way that God intends, He will show up, as I said, in disproportionate ways, in amazing ways, in incredible ways, in unmistakable ways in our lives. He will use us in an incredible way for His purposes in the world. So let me say this to you when it comes to spiritual gifts. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're here today and you're asking yourself, what's my purpose in life? Or maybe you're here today and you're asking yourself, you know, how is it that God wants me to make an impact for him in the world? How does God want me to make a difference in the world? Then my encouragement to you is get to know your spiritual gifts. Discover your spiritual gifts because the first step in you and I knowing our purpose in life is knowing our gifts, our spiritual gifts that God has given us to serve Him in this life. And to help us do that, if you've never taken a spiritual gifts inventory, then know as you leave today, there are copies of a spiritual gifts inventory out on the information rack at the front doors. I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of that, take it home, fill it out. It'll take you probably, depending how fast you read and how much you labor over the questions, 15 to 20 minutes. It's not a real long inventory, but it'll begin to help you understand the spiritual gifts that you have. And then once you kind of get an idea of those spiritual gifts, then you need to begin to exercise them. You need to begin to apply them because again, the proof of a gift is in an inventory. It's the fruitfulness that it produces. It's the affirmation you get from other brothers and sisters who see the gift working in your life and is benefiting from the work in that gift in your life because again Paul said it's to help the entire church so the proof is in the fruit so that's the first letter in shape it stands for spiritual gifts let me give you the second letter it's H and you all spell shape and it stands for our heart our heart 
And take a look at the next couple of verses there on your outline. Paul, Solomon says this, watch over your heart for that's where life starts. And Peter, the apostle Peter wrote this, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the person. And the reason both of those men said those things is because they understood that the heart is the seat of our passions. In other words, our heart is, really reveals the things we care deeply about. Here's the very best definition I've ever heard about heart and passion as it comes to our shape. You want to know what your heart is? You want to know what your passions are? Your God-given heart and passions? Ask yourself this. What is it that I care so deeply about that if someone would tell me it doesn't matter, it would either bring me to tears or cause me to pound on the table because I do know it matters. Does that make sense? What is it that you feel so deeply? What is it that burden you carry, that passion you carry, that if someone looked and you said, you know, that doesn't matter, Missy. Children aren't important. It, it, I, Missy's liable to pound on me, but I know it would bring her to tears. That's a passion. That's one of the best tests of a passion. Now, here's what I want to say to you. The key to knowing your heart, knowing your passion, it, it involves two things. And please hear this. The first thing, and I've already talked about that, it's something that fires us up emotionally. But that in and of itself isn't a definition of a passion. It doesn't, in and of itself doesn't reveal our heart. Here's the second part. Here's the real test if it's a true passion, if it's something God has burdened you with. And that is, folks, it is something that only amps up your emotions. It's something that ramps up your activity. In other words, it's something that you feel so deeply about that you're willing to roll up your sleeves and do something about it, regardless of the cost it might entail for you. Does that make sense? A passion is something that we want to do something about. We feel compelled to do something about. So let me ask you folks, what ramps up your emotions? What amps up your activity? I mean, think about it like this. You know, what issues grab hold of you? What statistics? What news stories, what social media posts keep you awake at night? What, what of those things make you to where you just don't even want to eat because it burdens you so deeply, it troubles you so much? And you know, what is it? Social justice? Hunger? Poverty? People not knowing Jesus? Is it homelessness, domestic violence, war, the, 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 the dissolving of the nuclear family? What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that beyond simply carrying this burden about that you feel compelled to act? Let me put it another way. Even more than what you feel burdened about, more importantly, is what is it you feel God has given you a burden for? What is it that God has placed on your heart and you feel compelled to do something about it even if no one else does anything about it? You say, this is wrong or this must be fixed or this must be addressed and I'll do whatever I have to do to be involved in it. Now here's the thing, there's absolutely no limit to the burdens God could place on your heart and life and mind. And I say that because it's not so important that we, 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 you know, we say, I have to have this burden. What's important is we know what the burden is. We know what it is God has placed on our heart. But then we recognize in that burden as well that God gives us that burden, not so that we run around then and tell everyone else what they ought to be doing to meet the need. No, God gives us a burden so we will personally be involved in meeting the need. Does that make sense? 
So often, folks, we, we, we get a burden and we say, you know what, you ought to do something about this. The government ought to do something about this. The church ought to do something about this. And listen to me, the burden God gives us is a burden because it's part of the unique shape that he has for us and, and the way that he wants us to fulfill our purpose in life. And so that burden is given to us for us to fulfill that purpose, to fulfill the mission for which he has created us. So ask yourself this question. What do I not only care deeply about, but what stirs me to action? What is it that I feel compelled to do something about? Because folks, God in giving whatever that burden is, when you identify it, I could promise you this, that is God's thumbprint. That is God's heartbeat for you. It's part of the way he shaped you to be about fulfilling the purpose he has for you. That's what motivates you to be about the mission, the purpose that he has given you. And our job is to know it, to listen to it, then ultimately do something about it. To personally get involved with meeting that need, solving that problem, addressing that issue. So that's the H. It's our heart. It's our passion. It's those things that burn deep in us, and we feel I must do something about it. Let me give you the A. The A stands for our abilities our abilities. And when we're talking about our abilities, please understand what we're talking about are those natural skills or talents that we are born with or that we have that predisposition to and we've cultivated and developed. Take a look at what Paul wrote. Paul said this, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. And we all have an area in our life, I promise you, that we're a 10 in, that we excel in. And, and we just do it naturally, or it, it came to us naturally. Yes, we worked on it. Yes, we cultivated it. But actually, we, when we look back, we go, doesn't everyone know how to do that? Can everyone do that? And the answer is no. That's a natural ability to me and for you. Now, let me differentiate. Let me be clear about the difference between a natural ability and a spiritual gift, because this is, this is very, very important. A natural ability, folks, is just that. It's natural. It's something we're born with. But a spiritual gift, on the other hand, is supernatural. In other words, a spiritual gift is, is a capacity, an ability that God gives us when we come into relationship with Jesus. And the reason he gives us that spiritual gift, as I said, is so we can be about the process of fulfilling the mission he's given us. That's a spiritual gift. So let me give you an illustration that maybe tease this out or maybe confuse it, hopefully tease it out and make it clear. Let's say, for example, you have born with the natural ability to teach. I mean, you just have a natural ability to help people understand information uh, and maybe learn a new skill or learn new information. But the difference between a natural ability of teaching and the spiritual gift of teaching is this. The spiritual gift of teaching is a God-given ability to help other people uh, understand, grasp, and ultimately apply spiritual truth, specifically God's truth. So when you have the spiritual gift of teaching, people say, you know, when you talked about that passage, that is the first time in my life it ever made sense. Or the first time, you know, you talked about that passage, I really realized I needed to do something about it. And so it's possible to have a skill of teaching, a natural ability to be a teacher, and not possess the spiritual gift of teaching. Does that make sense? Now, having said that, let me tell you something cool that I've observed. Because God's not about wasting experiences. God's not about wasting gifts and abilities. So what I've seen happen often, not always, but often, is God will take a natural ability or skill like teaching, 
And then when we come to Jesus, what he will do is infuse that ability with supernatural giftedness. That he will elevate it to a spiritual gift. So now we have the ability to teach and we also have the gift of teaching. Because why? Because God wants us to be fruitful. God wants us to fulfill the mission for which we were created. So let me ask you this question. I hope you're doing this all along in each of these as we go through them. So what natural abilities do you have? I mean, I know every one of us can think of at least one thing that over the years we've been affirmed in and we've seen success in. And for us, we just said, well, I I thought everyone could do that. And again, it can't because that is a natural ability. That is a, if you will, a uh, enablement by God. So what is it? Is it leadership? Is it teaching? Is it hospitality? You know, is it craftsmanship? What is that natural ability? Whatever it is, I want you to understand that is part of the way God is shaping you to fulfill your purpose in life. It is a specific skill that God and ability God has given you so you could be about the purpose for which he created you. Well, let me give you the P in shape. The P in shape stands for personality. Personality. And when we're talking about personality, folks, we're talking about our internal makeup. We're talking about our disposition. And and I want you to just kind of take a look at this because it's one of the reasons when it came to personality that David wrote these words. He's, He's speaking to the Lord and he says, you created my inmost being. And he's talking about my inmost being because, folks, our inmost being is who we are. It really is our personality. It really is our our disposition. Now, again, just like spiritual gifts, I've got to say to us, make sure we're clear, that there is no one personality type better or worse than any other personality type. They're different, again, by design, uniquely different by God because of the mission and the purpose He has for us. That's why Paul said this, God works through different people in different ways. But it's the same God who achieves his purpose through them all. And so what we need to understand, and what I want you to get from that verse, is your personality is every bit as unique and designed by God just for you as the color of your eyes or the tone of your voice or your fingerprints. You are who you are in terms of your personality by God's creation. And there are many, many aspects of personality. We could spend the whole time talking about them, but we can't do that. But I want to talk about one that I personally believe is one of the most significant parts of our personality when it comes to our purpose in life. And that is what we often talk about as introverts and extroverts. Now, what we need to understand, contrary to popular wisdom, is that introversion and extroversion has absolutely nothing to do. I'll say that again. Absolutely nothing to do with how well we function in social interactions, how comfortable we are in social interactions. That is not introversion and extroversion. Introversion and extroversion has to do with where we get our emotional energy. Okay, that's what introversion and extroversion. Let me explain it. Extroverts are people that when they're in social context, their emotional batteries get charged. They, They seem to be people that just get happier and more energetic the longer they're around people. Conversely, extroverts' emotional batteries are drained in social context. That doesn't mean they can't be gregarious. That doesn't mean that they're not enjoyable people around and they don't like people. That's one of the greatest misnomers about introverts. Well, they just don't like people. 
That's not true, folks. What it's saying is that introvert is expending energy being with you, and so they're usually the first person when the batteries drains who are heading for the door at the party first. It's not that they didn't enjoy it, but they were spending energy and exerting energy to be there, where extroverts were gaining energy, so they're the last ones shutting down the party. Does that make sense? That's introversion and extroversion. And we need to know which one we are. Let me give you a, an example of this and how it played out. One of the most beloved professors at the seminary I attended was Dr. Freeborn. Dr. Freeborn was one of the greatest men I've ever met. He, he was just an incredible teacher, incredibly engaged as a professor, and yet by his own admission, he was an extreme introvert. In fact, I have never met anyone more introverted than Dr. Freeborn. And here's the reason I say that. He would teach a class, and it was so engaging, so, I mean, he was so relational. I guarantee if you have that misconception that extroverts don't like, introverts don't like people, extroverts do, you would never, ever label him an introvert. He was incredible in class. Students loved him. Faculty loved him. But he was such an introvert that after he taught a class for an hour, he had to go back to his office, close the door, turn off the lights, and sit there in the dark for another hour. That's what he needed to do to recharge his batteries. In fact, he admitted that if he would teach, he could not teach classes, <clears throat> excuse me, back to back. Because teaching two classes back to back would have been emotional suicide for him. He just couldn't sustain that kind of energy and engagement. But after an hour of sitting alone in the dark in his office, he was ready again. And he came back and he fully and powerfully engaged with us as a student body. Folks, that's the difference between introversion and extroversion. Here's the reason I share that story. Because Dr. Freeborn understood that about himself, about his personality, about where he got his energy, he didn't simply survive in his life mission as a seminary professor, he thrived in it. And he impacted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students over the years because he understood how God had shaped him in terms of his personality. Does that make sense? So here's the question. What's your personality? Let me just throw out some questions. Are you an introvert or extrovert? Do you, would you describe yourself as being someone who is reserved or highly expressive, demonstrative? Are you someone who likes routine or are you someone that loves variety? Last question when it comes to your personality, and there are many, many others, and there are surveys you can take to figure this out. When you're in an environment, whether it's work or even relaxing, do you prefer an environment that's competitive or cooperative? Do you know? Do you know the answer to those questions? If you don't, I want to tell you, you need to know it. Because your personality, just like your gifts, just like your abilities, folks, are one of the ways God is uniquely shaping you to fulfill the purpose he has for your life. So that's the P. Let me give you the last letter. The last letter in shape is our experiences. Our experiences. And our experiences, you know, the, 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 the way to gather that all together, just think of your experiences, everything you've ever done or gone through. I mean, your education, where you grew up, your birth order, all of that, everything you've experienced in life goes into the experience bucket. God has given each one of us, folks, this unique bank account of experiences. 
And he intends for us to draw from that bank account when we're fulfilling the mission and the purpose he has for our lives. That's why Moses wrote this. He told the Israelites, remember today what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with him. And Paul said, were all your experiences wasted? I hope not. It's also why Paul assured the Romans, we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plan. Now, again, most of us know this, but I don't assume all of us know this, Paul. When, when Paul was saying that, he was not saying that everything that happened to us is good. No, what Paul was saying is that everything that happened to us, God can use and work for our good if, and he qualifies that, if we're fitting into his purposes and plans. And that, folks, that includes the painful things in life. I mean, I, I so appreciate what we've seen and heard already this morning, folks, because you know and I know, we impress people with our strengths, we impact people with our weaknesses, especially those parts of our life that have been broken and wounded. That's why Henry Nouwen said, an incredible spiritual director, incredible man of God, said this, when you ask about someone's, where someone is wounded, you're really asking, where have you been made? Because more than the positive things that happen in life, folks, when you think about your life, you reflect on your life, I promise you it was the negative things, even the traumatic things in your life that have most profoundly shaped you, particularly when it comes to your passions and the burdens you carry in life. So if you want to find and ultimately fulfill your purpose in life, folks, you need to take into account your experiences, all your experiences, the good, the bad, and even the traumatic because God will use them to shape you to be who he wants you to be. So that's how we know how we're shaped. Not just simply what we know our DNA to be, what our chromosomes tell us to be, but what God has shaped us to be. And again, I want to come back to the question I started with. Why does it matter? And if you're asking that, go, what's the big deal? Why should I spend the time taking a spiritual gifts inventory? Why should I take the time to fill out a shape profile, which is out of the foyer as well for you to pick up and use? Why would I take the time to do that? And here's the answer I give you. Folks, the reason you need to know your shape is because your shape, the shape God has given you, truly reveals your purpose. It really reveals what God wants you to do in life. And I say that because many of us growing up, most of us in this room, probably watching online, have heard and maybe even believed the fact that we are what we do. I mean, that's why we go to the party and the first thing we ask, what do you do for a living? Because in our culture, we somehow mistake what we do for who we are, but God intends it to be the complete opposite. In other words, God has shaped you and molded you, and he intends us to do what we are not to be what we do. Does that make sense? He intends for us to do what we are. And let me unpack that to help you understand that. Jim Collins, many of you recognize that name, one of the best business writers and authors out there. In his book, Good to Great, he talks about two types of companies. And the first type of company he talks about is what he calls Fox Companies. And this is based on another piece of literature. But basically, and we know that, foxes just chase after anything and everything that catches their attention and gets their interest. They just run after whatever. They're just a ball of energy going in a dozen different directions at the same time. He said the other kind of company is a hedgehog company. 
And a hedgehog company, instead of chasing after multiple things going in multiple different directions, no, they focus on one main thing. And he said, what my research has shown, those companies that go from good to great, that go from just being mediocre to being exceptional, are hedgehog companies. In other words, they focus on one main thing. And to illustrate that, to explain how they get there, how they figure out those hedgehog companies, how they figure out what that one thing is, he uses three circles. I just want to walk them walk you through them this morning. Trust me, this is going somewhere. In the first circle, he says, are the things they're deeply passionate about. The things that, again, don't simply just store them as a company and as a group of individuals, a part of that company, but things they're willing to invest time and energy to accomplish, to make a difference in. The second circle, he says, are the things that they believe they have a real shot at being at the very best in the world at. Not just good at, not just average at, not competitive, but being the very best in the world at. And he says, ultimately and finally, then the third circle is this. He says, it's what can drive their economic engine. Remember, their business is saying, in other words, they stop and say, what are we able to do, products or services, that people are willing to pay us to do? We could do well enough for people to pay us to do. Now, here's where the magic happens, as Collins says it, where those three intersect, where they converge, he says that's their hedgehog principle. That's what they're to do. That's their one main thing. Now, here's the reason I share that. On your outline, I've given you, and some of you are filling that in, and you draw it beside it. What's true for companies, folks, is true for individuals. So I want to walk you through how to apply this to your life. Because what's true for those companies is we as individuals can have a, if you will, a hedgehog principle in our life. So let me just lay it out again. Cam, you bring up the circles. In the first circle, I want you to write the words gifts and abilities. Gifts and abilities. In the second circle, wherever, and you can pick whichever circle you want, I want you to write passions and experiences. And then in the third circle, the remaining circle, I want you to write personality. Okay. Now, just like in the businesses, folks, where those three things in your life converge, where they overlap, that's what you're to do. That's your purpose in life. That is what the unique space that God has created you to fill in life. And here's how it works, folks. Our gift and abilities tell us very clearly um, you know, what we ought to do. And our passions tell us where or with whom we ought to do it, and our personality tells us how we ought to do it. Now, as you write that down, let me give you one example that I think will help illustrate what I'm talking about. Let's go back to the idea of teaching. And let's assume you have a teaching gift. And you also have teaching abilities, which clearly tells us what you ought to be doing is teaching, right? But teach who? Where? The way you answer that is you go to your passions and experiences because they tell us where or with whom we ought to do it. So let's say you not only have a teaching gift, but you have a passion for children. And you have experience, as long as you remember, you've been involved in vacation Bible school, teaching vacation Bible school, loving vacation Bible school. So where, what you ought to be doing is teaching. Where you ought to be doing it with whom is with children. But you go, okay. So how do I do it with children? Well, that's where our personality comes in. Back to that introvert and extroversion thing. Let's say you're an extreme introvert, or rather extrovert. Let me start there. So you have a teaching gift that, that is best expressed with children, but you're an extreme extrovert. You know what that suggests? You probably ought to look at using that gift in a classroom setting. 
a place, a space where you can continually have this extreme interaction with children on a regular basis because you're an extrovert that energizes you. But what if you're an extreme introvert? All that kind of interaction is liable to suck the life out of you. You know, say, say I want, so for an extreme introvert, rather than maybe being a teacher of children in a Christian school where you're with children eight hours a day, five days a week, maybe you ought to consider developing curriculum for children. You're still using the teaching gift. You're still focused on children, but because of your introversion, introversion, you ought to be maybe looking at curriculum or like Dr. Freeborn, find a context where you're able to engage and then disengage. Does that make sense? Do you see the difference between, uh, you know, the, the gifts and abilities God gives us and how those things are shaped by our passions and our personality? So let me ask you a question. Is your shape determining where and how you're fulfilling your life purpose? Is that shape, is that personality, that giftedness determine where and how you're investing your life? On the flip side, is your shape helping you determine where not to invest your life, what not to be doing, what are the wrong things to do, what are the wrong ways to do it in your life? Are you being, are you being guided by your shape? I'll tell you a quick story, and I see the time, and I've got to wrap up, but Mark Twain told an imaginative story about a man who died went to heaven and stood at the pearly gates talking to St. Peter. And as he interacted with Peter, he realized, this is my shot, this is my opportunity, because he, he realized, I have been fascinated by military history in all my life. And now I could finally ask the question that's been burning on my mind for decades, and that is, who was the greatest general? So he, he looked at St. Peter, and he said, can you answer a question for me? St. Peter said, sure. What's the question? He said, who was the greatest military general of all times? And St. Peter said, that's easy. He's right over there. And the man turned and looked at who St. Peter was pointing at, and he realized he knew the man. And he said, Peter, you must be mistaken. I know that guy. He, he ran a store in my neighborhood my whole life. And Peter says, that's right. But he would have been the greatest general of all times if he would have been a general. And folks, the reason I tell you that story is simply this. Are you doing what God has shaped you to do? Are you fulfilling the purpose that God has shaped you to fulfill? Because one of the saddest things I can imagine is for any of us coming to the end of our lives and only then realizing that we have not done what God shaped us to do. That we have not fulfilled the purpose God created us to fulfill. So as I close, I, I just want to really pose two questions for you. I want you to consider, and you maybe even want to write them down. Here's the first question I want you to consider. Do you know your purpose in life? Are you crystal clear about your purpose in life? The purpose for which God has shaped you. And if you say, yes, I'm ab absolutely crystal clear about that, then here's my next question for you. Are you fulfilling it? Are you fulfilling it how God would have you fill it, where God would have you fill it, with whom he wants you to have it fill it, in the way that he wants you to fulfill it? And the reason I ask you to answer those questions, and I, and I encourage you to take time to do it this, this week, 
or even today is, folks, because knowing those answers and the same, giving those answers and affirmative questions and affirmative answer is the only way that you and I can truly have a life well lived. Let's bow our heads for prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just invite you to pray a prayer something like this. Would you just say right now, God, I realize. Perhaps for the first time or in a renewed way today that you have uniquely shaped me to make a contribution. And so, Lord, I I don't want to live a shallow life or a superficial life. I want to live a life that makes a difference for you and makes a difference in other people's lives. So help me to know the unique shape that you've given me. And then after helping me discover my shape, Lord, would you help me to invest it? Would you help me and invest my gifts, my heart, my passions, my abilities, my personality, and my experience in living out the purpose for which you created me? For some of us, perhaps here or online, we need to begin by just simply saying, Jesus, come into my life. Because that's the starting point for receiving the spiritual gifts that God has for us. So if you've never done that, just right now, just say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to follow you. From here on out, I want to to know you and do your will for my life. So come into my life and lead me to use my gifts, to use my shape to fulfill your purpose for my life. Heavenly Father, thank you for shaping us the way that you've shaped each and every one of us so uniquely. And in light of that, I simply pray that you help us to remember that you shaped each of us for a purpose. And not only that, but help us remember that that you, what you shape us to do, you will empower us to do. And so help us to depend on you as we go about from this moment forward, fulfilling your purpose for our life. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jerry. Well, before we leave, just wanted to encourage you um, to write on that great card or online to the Connect link. Maybe to answer those questions that Jerry posed to us this morning. Um, On the back of the card there, you can see the boxes you can check. Maybe you made that decision to follow Jesus today. Um, Or you want to know more about your shape. Very easily, you can just, as you walk out the door, you're going to find this here on the the tall table. As you walk out, you'll see the spiritual gift inventory. And at the back is your shape uh, personal profile there. So you need to do the spiritual gift inventory first. And then apply those answers to the shape profile in the back. But I encourage you to do that. One of the best things you could ever do is find out what God has called you to do and the purpose that he has for you. And it's through these things. And just I'll remind you of that First Corinthians verse that he read there in the beginning that talked about that he gives us spiritual gifts. And the reason it's given is a means to, to helping the entire church. So you're going to find joy in doing that. So if you online, uh, you can find that on our website, I believe. I'm not sure the shape inventory is there online, but if you can't find that, give us a call and we can help you find that or we can send it to you as well. 
Um, also, if you would like to give today, you can do that. There's envelopes at the back of the room. We can also put a connect link in the chat window there, and you can give online through our app as well. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Have a happy Labor Day weekend, and I hope to see you guys next week.